Our sermon lesson for today comes from the first lesson that was read, Ezekiel chapter 9. Allow me to just read a couple of verses again. I want you to have this, this lesson fresh in your mind. If you could have it, your bulletins open to that. This might be a new lesson for, for many of you. <clears throat> I'm going to start at verse 2. It says, And I saw six men coming from the direction of the upper gate which faces north, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. With them was a man clothed in linen who had a writing kit at his side. They came in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of the God of Israel went up from above the cherubim where it had been and moved to the threshold of the temple. And the Lord called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing kit at his side and said to him, Go throughout the city of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of those who grieve and lament over all the detestable things that are done in it. As I listened, he said to the others, Follow him through the city and kill without showing pity or compassion. Slaughter the old men, the young men, and women, the mothers and children, and do not touch anyone who has the mark. This is the word of our Lord. It's interesting to see the change that takes place after a false sense of security is realized. Do any of you remember what airports were like before 9-11? Totally different place, wasn't it? Now we have metal detectors, x-ray machines, uh, there's, there's police dogs, there's many more policemen around, even military at some airports, some places. I remember going to school as well, and back in the day, I feel like an old man talking about this, but back in the day when I was going to school, there were two types of people in school. There were teachers and students, and now it seems that there are security guards, there are extra safety precautions, different types of locks, just in case an incident happens. And I remember riding around in the back of our station wagon with my siblings. We didn't wear seat belts. We never had car seats. And I don't know if I would have known why, if my parents would have ever given me a bike helmet, why I would possibly need something like that. We lived in a false sense of security, I guess you could say. And because of a number of sad incidents throughout the past several years, we've realized that, that there's some safety precautions that, that need to be made. A false sense of security can be a very dangerous thing. Today we're looking at a, a vision, a picture where men, women, and children are being slaughtered. And Ezekiel, who has this vision, cries out to the Lord, Lord, stop, don't let this happen. And when you see an incident like this, the question has to be asked, why did this happen? How did this happen? And the answer is, there was a false sense of security. Allow me to explain. Hundreds of years ago, when, there were the, the, when the Jewish people were living in the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, these people for hundreds of years really had rejected the Lord. They were worshiping other gods, worshiping false gods, the Egyptian god of the sun, the other Egyptian gods, as well as the, other, the, the gods from other surrounding nations. And they thought that God didn't see. They thought that God wasn't aware of the sins that they were committing. And they, even the priests were partaking of this worship to these false gods in the Lord's temple. And God finally said, fine, if that's the way you want it, you got it. And he left the northern kingdom of Israel, and with that, the protection also left. 
and the Assyrians came in 722 B.C. and wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel. A hundred years later, a little more than a hundred years later, the people in the south in Judah continued to worship other gods and to reject the Lord their God. They continued to worship all these false gods even in the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. People act as if God couldn't see what they were doing, as if they wouldn't be held responsible for what they had done. And finally God said, fine, if that's the way you want it, you got it. And he sent the Babylonian army in 597 B.C. to come and take over the city of Jerusalem. But it wasn't completely wiped out yet. It's kind of like a warning to the people. And yet at this time, in 597 B.C., a number of the people in Jerusalem were exiled, taken away to a distant land called Babylon. One of those people was Ezekiel. And a few years after that, Ezekiel gets this vision. A vision of slaughter of men, women, and children. And as Ezekiel sees this, rated our vision, he cries out to the Lord, no, Lord, don't do it. And this is what he says. They, that is the people of Judah and Jerusalem, say, the Lord has forsaken the land. The Lord does not see. The people were saying, we can live the way that we want to live. We won't be held responsible for things that we do. The Lord isn't involved in lives. He's not even here. He won't see us. They acted as if Judgment Day wasn't going to come for them. But it did. This is, uh, Ezekiel gets this vision, and he understands that within a few years, this was going to happen. Men, women, and children being slaughtered. It says in this vision that the glory of God, that is the presence of God that was in the temple, actually left. Because the people had defiled the temple. The temple that was supposed to be ceremonially clean, so much so that the people couldn't eat specific things, touch specific things, now is going to be completely defiled. It would become a slaughterhouse. The presence of God had left because the people had abandoned God. It says in our lesson, as he cries out, Ezekiel says, or God says back to Ezekiel, the sin of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. The land is full of bloodshed, and the city is full of injustice. They say the Lord has forsaken the land. The Lord does not see. So I will not look on them with pity or spare them, but I will bring down on their own heads what they have done. This final destruction happened in 586 B.C., and Jerusalem was completely destroyed. And the saddest part of what happened in 586 B.C. was not the physical slaughter of all these people and the destruction of Jerusalem, but really the spiritual slaughter of these people who continue to suffer in hell to this day for the sins that they committed against a God which they didn't think saw them. What would happen if we switched out the words in here where it says the people of or the house of Israel and Judah, and switch it with the people of New York City? Would it, sound, would it be accurate if we said, the sin of the people of New York City is exceedingly great, the land is full of bloodshed, and the city is full of injustice? 
The people of New York City say, the Lord has forsaken the land. The Lord does not see. The world that we live in, New York City has a false sense of security, wouldn't you say? People do the things that they do thinking that the Lord doesn't know, thinking that the Lord does not see. And maybe the most eye-opening part of that is, is what it says about those few people who are going to be saved from this slaughter, from this destruction. Did you catch what it said, the, the external perspective of those people who are going to be saved, what the difference was? It says this, that um, those who grieve and lament over all the detestable things that are done in it, those are the people who are going to be saved. Those people who grieve and lament over all the detestable things that are done in it. That is, from an outside perspective, you should be able to tell who the believers and who the unbelievers are. And yet what's frightening about that is that people may not always be able to tell if we are believers or unbelievers. In fact, there may be times when they are surprised to hear that we are believers or unbelievers. Sometimes our lives don't always reflect a person who grieves and laments over the detestable things of this world. As we watch TV shows, have something on a computer screen that we shouldn't be looking at, acting as if nobody sees, we enjoy it. We watch it and enjoy it. And we act as if the Lord doesn't see what's happening. And behind the privacy of our own home too, when nobody else sees what's going on, when the doors are closed, the windows are shut. We don't think anyone sees when, when we disrespect our children, lose our temper with our spouse. But God sees, doesn't he? When we lie, tell half-truths to cover up something else. We think that nobody else is going to know, but, but God sees. See, sometimes we mistake God's patience for ignorance. We do that, don't we? Even we have a false sense of security. We act as if God doesn't see. He doesn't care. We act as if sin doesn't affect us and hurt us. Looking at this lesson, it is a, really a frightening picture for unbelievers to think and consider Judgment Day, think and consider this slaughter. But for believers, it's a very different picture. It's really a picture of salvation for the few who will be saved on that last day. Listen closely again to those people who are going to be saved. This is what it says. <clears throat> it talks about a man, this is uh, in the first part of the lesson, verse 4, a man who's clothed in linen who had his writing kit at his side. And he told him to go throughout the city and specifically to put a mark on the foreheads of those who grieve and lament over all the detestable things that are done in it. He says, uh, going on in verse 6, he says, Slaughter men, women, and children, but, but do not touch anyone who has the mark. You see, on the day of your baptism, God put a mark on your head. Marking you as a redeemed child of Christ. And you may be thinking to yourself, why? Why did he come to me and put that mark on my forehead? What is different about me when I look at my life and look at all the other people in this world, understanding that there are very few that are actually going to go to heaven? Why am I one who has that mark on my forehead? 
And you, as you consider and think about that, you're going to be left speechless. Because you won't be able to find anything that says that you deserve this as you compare yourselves to the lives of other people. But you see, think about the Israelites. When they were in Egypt and had the mark put on the doorpost, the blood of the lamb, as the angel passed over their houses and slaughtered the Egyptians instead of them, did they deserve that salvation more than the others? No. You and I, whose lives don't always resemble the lives that God wants us to leave, do we deserve to have that mark on our forehead that was placed there at our baptism? No. Do we deserve to have that mark preserved and strengthened through God's word and the sacraments? And the answer is no. And yet God came to us. Christ came to you and me. And the Holy Spirit wrote that seal, that mark on our foreheads in spite of the fact that we would not always grieve and lament the detestable things of this world, in spite of the fact that we would at times act as if God doesn't see the things that we do, in spite of the fact that our lives don't always resemble the type of Christians that we know God wants, God still came to you and wrote that on your foreheads. And do you know why? The answer is because of Christ. While we weren't able to grieve and lament all, all the time, all the detestable things of this world. Jesus did every moment of his life. And while we aren't able to resemble lives which God wants us to lead as Christians, Jesus did every moment of his life. And when he went to the cross, he gave that life to you. And do you know how you can be sure that every last one of your sins has been removed? It's because God sees God saw each and every sin that you have committed throughout your life. He knows each and every sin that you're going to commit in the future. He has seen it all, and he took those sins and placed them on his son when he was on the cross. So that you can be sure that each and every one of them has been removed. Not one has been left behind because God sees. He sees you. In the book of Revelation... Jesus talks about you. He talks about me. He says this, Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb, standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his Father's name written on their foreheads. That mark is not only our sure salvation, it's our pride. Something that we carry around with us proudly. Because we know that we are different than the people of this world, and that's going to reflect in the things that we do, whether it's in public or whether it's in private. It's going to affect the things that you watch on TV and watch on your computer screen. It's going to affect the way that you treat your spouse and your children, even if nobody else in the neighborhood will hear it. It's going to affect you in your work ethic, to be working faithfully and hard, whether or not your boss is present there with you going to affect those of you who are studying, whether in high school or in college, so that even if you have the opportunity to cheat and you won't be caught with it, you won't because you're different. There's something about you that's sealed that sets you apart from the rest of the people in this world. 
the fact that God is with it, that God sees everything that we do, is not something that we are ashamed of as if we have an overprotective father, but something that we are thankful for, something that we are proud of. And one last thing about that mark is that that mark also makes us a target for Satan. Satan is going to work very hard to do everything that he can to erase that mark from your forehead. And so we can pray. Pray that this is what we are like. In our lesson, it says that we be people who uh, grieve and lament over all the detestable things of this world. And so we pray that we do not have a false sense of security about sin. We pray that that our conscience is pricked when we fall into sins. We pray that when we aren't sure if something is a sin or not, that we run to God's word, where we can see and can understand what God's will actually is. There can be nothing more dangerous than a spiritual spiritual false sense of security. Judgment day is coming. And many of the people in this world act as if God can't see, but we know that he can. But there's nothing more certain and secure for us than that seal that was printed on our foreheads. That will change Judgment Day for us, won't it? Amen.